Connecting life and faith. This is Connection. They captured me. I don't know what else to say. I was captured. And uh, they surrounded me and they put, uh, they had handcuffs. They put three sets of handcuffs on each of my hands and um, stomped me. They broke broke three of my vertebrae and um, or cracked them, I should say, and um, and beat me. And they, they took me into a basement area where, where they, I was tied to a chair and they beat they beat my head and my face and and several things happened. And um, in the middle of that situation, I thought. You know, my daughter and my wife were with me. And so in the middle of that situation, we thought, I thought, how am I going to get out of here and take care of my wife and my daughter? And I told them, and please let me go. And they said, well, you're never going to see the light of day and you don't have a wife and a daughter anymore. But the story doesn't end there. It's absolutely beautiful what ended up happening and what ended up coming out of this. We're joined today by Joshua Bold. He is the president and CEO of Ames.org. He's going to share his unbelievable testimony with us. And it not only involves an abduction, but also a battle with addiction. He's going to share all of this and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Joshua Bold. He is the president and CEO of Ames.org. For those who don't know, tell us a little bit about what Ames.org is. Well, Ames is a missions ministry founded uh, in 1985 by Dr. Howard Foltz, and our goal is to see the gospel of Jesus Christ declared and established among every people group on the planet. And we're on mission to get the message of Jesus to those who have no access. And it's very interesting how you're doing things because you're actually working with the indigenous people in those areas, correct? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we love uh, every form of missions effort, you know, that any local church or community would say, hey, we have a heart for the lost and we want to see the world know Jesus. We believe in every single expression of God's kingdom and evangelism. But what we've seen is that by working with nationals or near culture, we call them native missionaries, we can train and send out people at a much faster rate. It's it's more uh, efficient economically. And we see that because there are less cultural boundaries between uh, a person who's going to someone who's who speaks their language and is from their region, that we're able to see a faster progression of the gospel among unreached groups. And so we're honored. Right now we have over 600 uh, missionaries sent to over 42 countries and uh, that number is growing every day. And so and it's, it's exciting. Right now we're seeing almost three churches planted every day. Last, the first quarter of this year, we saw over 16,000 people hear the gospel for the first time through Native missionaries. And so we're pretty excited about being able to do this. What better way, though, to hear it from their own people? It's I feel like it reaches them in a whole new way. It is. You know, my wife and I got to go and live in Iraq as full-time missionaries for years. And we lived among the population. We loved the culture. We learned the language. We ate what the what the uh, locals ate. You know, we, we stayed in their neighborhoods. And it was the greatest honor of our life. But after years there, and after speaking the language, 
they would say, yeah, we know that's what you believe, but that's because you're an American, you know, and but we're not Americans and we're Muslims. We're from Iraq, you know, and and so as soon as we saw that some of the nationals begin to accept Christ and begin to really get into uh, the things of God, and we were just seeing the spirit of God manifest himself through them in so many ways. Um, people, the nationals were curious and they were asking them questions like, Wow, what what made you uh, believe what you're believing? And so we we immediately saw, uh, well, not immediately. After five years, saw um, that this is how we can reach every nation in this generation. And although it was an honor for us to go and live there full time, and I hope that many people that are called get a chance to do that, um, we saw that we want to give our lives to mobilizing these near culture missionaries. While you were there in Iraq, uh, you were able to do that yourself. You were able to talk to some people uh, after you experienced your own event that included you being abducted. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, you know, we had been there for for several years. And I've got to say, I never like to really tell this story because I feel like a lot of people, especially in the West, have maybe a real negative perception of what the people of the Middle East are like, you know, and I've got to tell you that we learned about hospitality from the people of the Middle East. We learned about um, close community and family structure. There's so much we can learn from the cultures of the Middle East. And um, so, uh, but we did have a one negative experience where we were in a city, in an area of a city that is not friendly to Americans and Christians and um, it just was one of those days that you never think you're going to experience. I was, uh, in a, in a, in a very busy shopping area and, uh, through a set of circumstances, I was surrounded by a group of men who didn't like that I was an American Christian and, um, and they, they, uh, they captured me. I don't know what else to say. I was captured and, uh, they surrounded me and they put, uh, they had handcuffs. They put three sets of handcuffs on each of my hands and um, stomped me. They broke broke three of my vertebrae and um, or cracked them, I should say, and um, and beat me. And they, they took me into a basement uh, area where, where they I was tied to a chair and they beat they beat my head and my face and and several things happened. And um, in the middle of that situation, I thought. You know, my daughter and my wife were with me. And so in the middle of that situation, we thought, I thought, how am I going to get out of here and take care of my wife and my daughter? And I told them, and please let me go. And they said, well, you're never going to see the light of day and you don't have a wife and a daughter anymore. And I thought they had done something to my wife and my daughter. So it was, I was crying. I mean, is you don't really maintain composure in those situations, um, or I didn't. And so I was crying and and I I just cried out to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, when we moved to Iraq, we said we would give you our lives, but I don't feel like I'm losing my life for the gospel right now. And I and I ask you, you know, God delivered me from drug addiction when I was a young man. He delivered me from sin. He gave me a new life. He restored my relationships. He had done so much. I knew he was my deliverer already. And I said, you are my deliverer. I cry out to you, God, would you deliver me in this situation? 
And you know, right then the Lord showed me as though he was still on the cross. He showed me him on the cross, Jesus sitting there. And Jesus looks at humanity who's beating him and sinning and rejecting him. And he said, Lord, forgive them. And he just gave me this profound revelation of the power of his forgiveness. There's a new revelation. Sorry, it gets me even as I'm saying it. But he showed me that those men had no idea what they were doing and that they were walking in confusion. And and he said, ask them for forgiveness. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. But I I stopped to the, the lead man that was kind of in charge of the whole scenario. And I said, I came here from America, not as a soldier, not to fight, but to serve the people of this country with the love of God because of what Jesus has done in my life. And he forgave me of my sins and his power of forgiveness set me free. And I know that you're angry at me because of my religion or because I'm I'm an American. I'm not sure why. And I said, but I want to ask you, because even in your religion, if you kill me in anger, you've committed murder and that's a sin. And I don't want to make you sin because I care for you. And I said, I want to ask you, would you forgive me and forgive my country for anything that we may have done that has made you angry? Well, when I did that, those men became very confused. They started to argue with each other. They were, you know, yelling and getting up in each other's faces and arguing. They left the room for a few minutes. And when they came back in, um, they had a man on the phone. The man on the phone said, I need uh, – well, a man puts a phone to my ear and he says, talk. So I just told him, I said, my name is Joshua Bold. I'm an American citizen. I've been captured. I'm chained to uh, a chair. I've been beaten. If you have any authority, please let me go. And, uh, and please tell these men to release me. And so the man that was holding the phone in my ear said, admit that you're guilty. And I said <laughs> – And I didn't know at that point, does that mean I'm going to die or I'm going to be set free? But I said, I will accept any accusation that these men make against me. All I ask is that you get me released and allow me to stand in front of a judge and have and have someone hear about this situation. Well, the men walk out and what they were doing was they were trying to make sure that they weren't going to get in trouble. (laughs) Because they were talking to the minister of interior. And so after a few minutes, they came back in and they had a bucket of water and some rags and they took the handcuffs off of me. They washed the blood off of my face. And the one who had beaten me the worst kissed me on the cheeks and said, we're brothers now. (laughs) And they released me. And so, you know, that's just a story of God's deliverance. And Colleen, I can say that. If God can deliver me from drugs, I was a hopeless methamphetamine addict in the streets. He delivered me from that. If he can deliver me from a basement being beaten by terrorists in Iraq, he can look at any man, woman, or child situation on this planet. He can see the darkness that surrounds them. And I don't care if they were raised in a Christian community or if they've been raised in a place where there's never been an expression of Christ, he can look at them 
And his love can penetrate that situation and bring freedom and deliverance. I'm convinced. It's interesting. I'm going back to originally when, you, when we first asked this question, you said you don't really like to, to share about the abduction because you don't want people to think about, you know, the stereotypical things that people think when they think of this country. But in the end, in spite of the grossness of what happened, there was beauty that came out of this at the end. Absolute beauty. Tremendous. Yeah. And, um, you know, after that, I the Lord gave me favor and I was invited to go do some international business with uh, a group of very influential men from this region. And what's interesting is their boss or it's a long story, but I actually was in a car in Germany with one of these men. And uh, he told me who his boss was. And I said, well, let me tell you an interesting story about what some of his men did to me one day. And we're riding in the back of a car in Germany. And I shared this story with him. And I shared about the power of God to deliver and got to pray with this man. And I just thought, wow, I would do that a thousand times over for this situation, you know. And yeah, and the, and the Lord did things in me. He taught me things in the middle of that situation that make me grateful. I mean, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't ask to do it again, you know. Yes, no. <laughs> but, uh, but I, in another testimony, Colleen, I was in Ethiopia several years later, and I hadn't been able to sleep laying down for, for several years because of my back. And, uh, and the Lord healed me. And uh, now I don't take any medications. I don't do any therapy. My back is completely restored. And the biggest thing in all of this, and you've mentioned it a couple of times prior to any of this happening, like you said, you were uh, going down the road of addiction and faith was not really something that was there. So you went from this hopeless man to a man that is spreading the word and spreading the word in so many ways through many people. Can you just share a little bit about how that all happened and how that all came to be? Yeah, well, you, I don't know about how you grew up, but I grew up in an area of uh, New Mexico, uh, southern United States, where most people when I was growing up, if you said, are you a Christian? They would say, yeah, I'm a good person. I go to church. I read the Bible, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I grew up. My parents were deeply rooted in faith. In Christ, but I didn't have any faith of my own, and so as a young man, I became a, uh, a really bad addict I, with, you know, alcohol and marijuana and all the stuff. Um, but then I got into methamphetamine, and it really took me for a ride. And so at 25, I'm pretty much uh, spent as a human being, and my relationships were broken and everything else. And my dad had given me a Bible for Christmas that previous year. And uh, he told me, he said, you know, I've done everything as a father I know to do. And um, I'm going to give you this Bible. And at a time of your life, when you feel like all hope is lost, I hope I pray that you'll turn to God's word. And um, so one night I was in my apartment in New Mexico and I had a little drug ritual that I did every day. I was really pretty lost in this world. And and I felt so alone, I couldn't uh, understand it. I, it was like a heavy weight of loneliness sitting over me. And so 
I didn't know what else to do. Almost in a panic, I just reached out and I, I kept that Bible on a table in my house because my dad had given it to me and it had my name on the cover, you know. And so I grabbed this Bible. I f- just flipped it open. I didn't know anything about the Bible at the time. I flip it open and, th- and it flipped open to Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8 says, God, our God, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You made the earth and the heavens and everything in it. And you even made the angels and then men a little bit lower than the angels. And it says, who is man that you would visit him? And when I read that, it was like the spirit of God filled my apartment. And I didn't know what was going on. Mm. I called um, my mother. I was, you know, high and probably drunk. And I, I said, I don't know what's going on. I think God wants me to be a preacher or something. And, um, well, I had, the following week was, was a, a men's conference in New Mexico that my dad was going to, and he asked me to come to it. I think they saw that there was an opportunity maybe. And I went to this conference and I saw a thousand men worshiping Jesus, real men, you know, men that had been through some things and, and, um, and, uh, they didn't look like they grew up on church pews. They looked like men who had seen some things like me and, and I felt the presence of God in a real powerful way, and I just prayed a prayer. I said, you know, I've always heard Jesus saves, but I thought that meant that you'd make me become a Christian, and I don't know that I want to be that way. But I told him, I said, if you'll save my life, I'll give you everything. And I'll, give, I'll go wherever you tell me to go, and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll say whatever you tell me to say. My life is yours. And in that moment, it's just in one moment, Colleen, I was delivered from addiction and you know, we've used the term born, we've heard the term born again. I hope everyone listening has experienced new life in Jesus because that day I was born again. He gave me his love. He filled my heart with his love. He opened my eyes where I could see people with, everyone was beautiful to me and they still are. And so now, you know, having experienced that, I mean, I went from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. Mm-hmm. And in a moment, I didn't have any drug withdrawals, and I had been a, an addict wow. for ten years. I'm, um, I didn't go through rehab, and 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 so I know that God has the power to deliver, and He has the power to reveal Himself and to fill you with His love, you know, and to deliver you from any circumstance. It doesn't matter if it's been generations of addiction, generations of poverty. He can heal and deliver mm-hmm. any man, woman, or child in any situation. And uh, yeah, so that's my story. And, and from that day on, I just said, Jesus, I want you to use my life. And so I went to Bible school and my wife and I, she had already been through Bible school, had already served in uh, Mexico at an orphanage and lived in Uzbekistan for a year. And so she already had a heart for the lost and a heart for nations. And it took me a few years to catch up, but slowly we got, I, I, now we're walking, we're, you know, neck and neck chasing after the Lord into every nation that we can get into. Even your relationship has a story, which is awesome, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You fell apart. You came back together. Your whole life seems to be this full circle. And the best thing is there's lived experience. You mentioned it a little bit um, when you were talking about even when you went to that conference, you saw these people. I feel like you get more out of it when you're with that lived experience. And it goes all the way back to aims.org. You've got people in the community with experience once again. Do you ever plan on stopping when it comes to all of this? Well, our plan is to finish the Great Commission. So, you know, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus said, this gospel of my kingdom will be preached as a witness to every nation, and then the end will come. 
And, you know, that word nation in the Greek in the original text is ethne. And it means uh, we use the word people group. It means a unique tribe or group of people that have a unique custom, common history, cultural traits and heritage. In the world, there are over 17,000 people groups, but over 7,000 of them are considered unreached. That means there's no Christian, no Bible, no access to the gospel without someone carrying the gospel to them. They'll never hear the name of Jesus and calling every day. Over 50,000 of these people die, and they've never even heard his name. And um, I'm so fortunate. I've experienced his presence and his power in so many unique ways, and they've never even heard of him. And so our mission is to see the body of Christ carry the message of God's kingdom to every single tribe, tongue, and nation until we're finished. You know, and um, so I pray and I believe that we can see the Great Commission fulfilled. That's God's mandate to go and preach the gospel to all of creation, to make disciples of every nation. And then the end will come. I believe that we, his church, can finish that work in this generation. We have more than enough people. We have more than enough money. And what Ames is trying to do is partner the body of Christ to see every unreached group reached in this generation. And uh, so, you know, our goal is to see missionaries sent to all of these unreached groups. And we've got a process now called people group adoption where people can go to our website. They can help uh, begin praying and giving to support some of these native missionaries. We can send a native missionary to an unreached group for uh, $1,200 a year in some cases and we have sustainability projects where they sustain themselves financially and um, so after one year many of the time many times they're self-sustained they're no longer needing ongoing funding so i believe that we that god has given wisdom he's given us his word to show us what his will is for the nations and that we together as the body of christ can finish this thing and so i will do this until Uh, I see him coming on the clouds or I meet him some other way. (laughs) For those who are interested in learning more about aims.org or learning more about you, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, just go to our website, aims.org, or you can check us out on social media, uh, aims.missions. And uh, we have resources for every Christian. We know that God's called you all to be a part of finishing his mission in the earth. So we have training resources, we have people group resources, we have partnership resources, and we can help you and your local church community become strategic in God's mission to reach every nation. So yeah, go to our website, check us out on social media, and you can, uh, if you have a question or need some help in the area of missions, please reach out to us through our website. There's a contact us form. And we'll have one of our staff get in touch with you and see what we can do to partner together to finish God's mission. Thank you so much for making time for us today. It's greatly appreciated. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Colin. God bless you. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We'll talk to you again on Connections.